0: everyone and welcome to Teeth and Tails. I'm your host Dr Shadi Manucheri and today's episode is with the wonderful Dr Sarah Tacroni to talk about making the transition from dentistry to facial aesthetics. Dr Takvroni has made the move from dentistry to facial aesthetics to opening up a new clinic with friends and very recently um, opening up her own clinic in central London. And we talk about all of the challenges that this journey has had, lessons that she has learned and advice she would give um, to those considering making the transition from dentistry to facial aesthetics. I really hope you enjoy this episode and without further ado, let's get into it. Hi Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you?
1: I'm good, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm very well, thank you. I feel like we've been waiting for this episode and this conversation for a very long time, <laughs> so I'm very happy that we're finally doing this.
1: I am glad too. We have been. I feel like it's been over a year, a long time.
0: It has. To... <laughs> I have. I think you had everything going on with the clinic, and you were like, maybe in April I'll have more time. And I think yeah. that was April last year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> time flies. Yeah. <laughs> finally, finally made the time. <laughs>
0: It's so exciting to see everything you've been doing and I can't wait to find out more about it. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and how you got here, please?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my name's is Sarah Takroni. Um, I started off doing dentistry. That was back in 2005 at the University of Manchester. Uh, qualified in 2010, did dentistry for a little while. Um, obviously, did my BT year. I did a year in hospital. Um, I did a year in Australia came back, worked in NHS, mixed NHS and private practice. Um, And then I went into facial aesthetics. Um, I remember actually my first experience with facial aesthetics was when I was in Australia and I saw a friend having Botox done. And I thought, cool, that looks pretty good. I'd like to try that. Um, so when I came back to the UK, I went actually on the LSFA course. That's the one that you you run now. Um, that was back in the day. I can't even remember what year it was, but I did it instantly fell in love. I was like, this is great. Um, but then it was finding the time because I was doing full-time dentistry. So mm-hmm. I kind of weaved it into my days, um, uh doing during lunch times, end of the day, I had a very supportive team who allowed me to do that. Um, and yeah, it kind of went from there, started working in different clinics co-founded a clinic with friends in the end after I left one clinic we opened in 2020 and then I ended up leaving that and opening my own space and that was in April 2022 so now I'm working from there full-time obviously.
0: Wow it's so it's it seems like you've done a lot and I think when you see your social media or when you see the stuff you do now you don't know the background of how you've got to where you are now Um, And I feel like we've seen not not many, but we have seen a few dentists switch completely over to facial aesthetics. What was it for you that made you because as we know, you can do a combination of both. For example, what I do, I do a lot of both basically 50 50. A lot of the times they go hand in hand. But what was it for you that made you switch completely from dentistry to facial aesthetics? Because obviously with dentistry as well, you've invested a lot of time and money to be able to do that. And it can be an entirely fulfilling career on its own. Um, So what was it that made you switch completely to facial aesthetic exclusively?
1: Um, I really enjoyed dentistry. I did a lot of NHS dentistry, which, as you know, is, is very different too nice sort of more private dentistry and i think mm-hmm. dentistry's come a long way it's changed a lot actually since i left it um yeah, there's a lot more composite bonding invisalign and and generally the uk are more interested in their teeth than they used to be back when i was doing dentistry um so i think had it been what it is now you know back then when i left it would have been a harder decision because there was a lot more it's a lot more aesthetics focused i would say now than maybe it was then mm-hmm. um but I got to a point I was doing both. I was doing both dentistry and aesthetics and aesthetics was really taking off um, and word of mouth was spreading. I I was finding myself overstretched and I think I reached a burnout point. And that for me was the reason I had to cut dentistry out, because I had to literally sit there with a pen and paper and analyze my week and kind of think, right, where do I see myself going from here? Mm -hmm. Do I'd i love to own my own space. and, And would I do I love dentistry enough to take on that stress in dentistry or do I prefer what I'm doing in facial aesthetics and and the answer for me was really clear at that point and I remember the decision it was when I was walking home and I was so stressed and I was so burnt out and I just had a moment where I thought I don't need to do both of these at the same mm-hmm. time I can choose and I can always go back to dentistry if I feel differently mm-hmm. um and that was about five years ago now and I, in all honesty I haven't ever thought about going back I haven't missed it at all but I you know I enjoyed dentistry I was good at it but this for me was what really made me excited I loved the industry of aesthetics. that's
0: really so, good to hear because I feel like when you look back and know that you don't actually have any regrets that's a positive place to be and that's how you know I guess you've made the right decision
1: yes I I still deep down consider myself a dentist but I don't I don't miss it I I um I love what I do now
0: so what kind of training did you do to get into facial aesthetics? I know we we spoke about LSFA and uh, we've taken on the LSFA and it is a wonderful training academy. And I feel like whenever people ask me about training, I say, well, it's like anything, you know, like dentistry, for example, you do a course to get good at something to become qualified. But really, it's when you start practicing this and implementing your skills and practice that you actually grow and you'll always be doing lots and lots of different courses to just get better and better. There's no end to that. You know, we commit to lifelong development in, in dentistry and facial aesthetics. So what kind of training pathway did you take? So for those interested, um, what kind of trainings did you do to be able to do such advanced treatment and to switch to facial aesthetics altogether?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um... Firstly, I wouldn't underestimate how much you learn even in dentistry along the way and the years that people might spend dedicated toward dentistry, what you learn in terms of communication with patients, handling the business side of things. um, Even the financial aspect of dentistry is quite different to, say, medicine in this country. And, And understanding that when you do end up going into aesthetics, which is either you kind of on your own in a room or working as part of a clinic, you learn a lot along the way. So that sort of builds up in the background. Um, In terms of how you handle yourself as a clinician, but then in terms of actual physical learning of the art of aesthetics. uh, Yeah, I did LSFA to start with, which covered all the grounds I needed to get off, get off the ground to start with. Um, And I immediately kind of got stuck in within my comfort zone, Mm -hmm. within what I considered myself safe to practice. Um, I had lots of people in the clinic that I worked in that were willing, (laughs) willing models um and I was able then to kind of do the treatment see how because I was seeing them every day I would see how it would settle um that's kind of also where I learned how to say no so if I thought Mm. maybe someone had asked me for something and I'd done it and maybe now I wouldn't I would say we should stop here we've reached a good point um but actually where I kind of further developed from that so LSFA was a brilliant starting point for me it allowed me to get my career off the ground and I'm sure it's come a long way since when I did it back in the day I then worked in other clinics and when you work in bigger clinics um a lot of them are collaborated with uh different reps that supply filler and they provide sometimes even just free training mm-hmm. that's very detailed and you can learn a lot from go to conferences there's lots of teachings there from some very um, important people in the industry that really understand um, their field um Any more advanced areas I was treating, say, for example, non-surgical rhinoplasty, tear traps, et cetera, I would go on specific training for those areas. And I'd never stop learning, like you say. Even now, I shadow. I enjoy teaching. I do some teaching on the side because I learn along the way. When you teach, you learn
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, and you feel more confident in your practice. But just always work within your comfort zone but get stuck in.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think a lot of us do a course and then completely forget about it. And as we know, it's only when you start implementing those skills that you learn. And it's just the beginning, you know, like with dentistry, I feel like when you qualify, they say you have to be a safe beginner. And I think the same goes for when you do a training course, whether it's something new or whether you do a new skill in the same field that you're doing. Um, we can't wait to hopefully discuss having you on as a trainer in LSFA in the future (laughs) you never know for for legal reasons we can't go too much into that more (laughs) so talk me through at what point you decided to open up your own clinic and you mentioned that in 2020 you ventured you had a venture with uh, some friends before going completely into your own clinic and I've personally been following your journey very closely with the new clinic and it's so so exciting to see how far it's come I remember this reel you made, and the thing that stuck in my head was the champagne popping moment. And I was like, <laughs> I can't wait for a champagne popping moment of my own. So talk me through oh, yes. what that was like.
1: So I mean, I, I it was a big leap to go from working for somebody in a um in a big clinic where I really gained my experience, but it, it didn't, it doesn't prepare you really for opening your own premises, or even, you know, your own clinic that you're running, and you're creating systems and processes in the background, and, you know, um, suddenly handling all the things you didn't think about, Uh, you've not gone to uni to learn this, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're really learning as you go and trying not to make any mistakes that are, you know, stressful, grave errors. But um, I I left a clinic, I was working at a very big clinic on Harley Street, and co-founded a clinic with two friends that were also working at that clinic um and and that was that was very exciting aside from the fact that we started in 2020 so we just got a nice space renovated it it was only one room but you know in London that's that's expensive as it is and then uh we had to close (laughs) just like everybody so um we did I did a lot of virtual consultations and it was adapting you know it was um doing what you can getting yourself set up for when you are allowed to open um and and that was That was a a great step in my career, working with friends, co-founding that clinic. And that was the hardest thing to walk away from because that equally was something I'd built with friends. And um, I really worried I was making the wrong decision. But that pull to have my own space and be creative and make it entirely mine and have a space in London and grow in there was huge. I just had to explore it. Um, and then it just was inevitable. But I I would say I waited until the right time when I felt I had patience to fill my diary, when I had the capital to do so because I was doing it all on my own. Um, I don't think I realized quite how expensive generally a renovation project is and taking somewhere on, but uh, I made sure I was ready financially. And I, had, I have a good support network around me in terms of I have friends in dentistry that have open practices that I was able to bounce ideas off and speak to. So yeah, I think having mentors that can guide you a little bit through that is really helpful.
0: And talk me through what it's like speaking, working with friends, because um, different people will have different opinions about this, Um, that, you know, businesses can ruin your friendships. And so far, my experience has been entirely positive. Um, My co-director at the London School of Facial Aesthetics, uh, Christina, is also my best friend. And so far, it's only been positive things. Um, but there are challenges that you have to really try and overcome and have systems in place to sort of have your business hat on and your friendship hat on. So what was that like for you? Did you run into any sticky ground or was it all pretty positive?
1: It was all pretty positive, if I'm honest. Um, I would say being three clinicians, we were all really good at the same things and all didn't enjoy some of the other things, like more of the business side of things, (laughs) so that wasn't our strong point I think sometimes if there's two people that have complementary skill Mm. sets and you don't in any way not that we did this actually we were very much like individuals we weren't we could practice how we wanted to but uh, not treading on each other's toes in that sense is quite helpful for example me and my fiance now he helps me with the finance and business side of things and understanding spreadsheets Uh, he'd never tell me clinically what to do and equally I trust him entirely when I'm like right Create me a spreadsheet, please, for this problem. Um, That is always a healthy kind of situation. But I do think working with friends can work very, very well. Um, Formalizing things is probably the easiest way to overcome awkwardness. So having meetings that are like, right, we've got our business hat on now. We're talking business and making it quite practical and pragmatic rather than letting emotions or friendships kind of make that awkward. So if you have those systems in place, then that can be helpful along the way. Sometimes it works. It just works with friends and it works really, really well. So there's no hard and fast rules, really.
0: I guess it's the same with family. A lot of people say don't work with family, but especially, and I think dentistry, there's a lot of family businesses with, you know, entire families. Someone's at reception, someone's a clinician, someone's doing the admin side of things. So I think it all depends. But when it works, it works really, really well, um, in my -hmm. personal opinion. So... You've decided that you want to open up on your own. Um, You've gone through, I feel like if you've opened in 2020, and you've overcome that pandemic and that completely unknown situation, then you're a bit stronger, (laughs) a lot stronger, (laughs) take on anything. So what was it like from the moment you decided to open up your own space to actually practically doing it? Because it's one thing having this idea in mind. Mm -hmm. But actually, this is what I'm I'm finding that your skill set is clinical. And this non-clinical side of things is an entirely different profession that other people do so you're suddenly having to have two completely different skill sets the clinical side of things is difficult enough as it is and then you have to deal with the other side of things which can be so so complicated especially in central london with all the regulations and everything we have to be mindful of so what was that like for you
1: Um, It was challenging because I was doing it alongside trying to run my clinic that I was already had going on. Um, I was navigating, walking away from something that I was a bit like, am I making the right decision? Um, And then at the same time, like you say, completely new territory in terms of everything. Opening a premises in London is stressful. I'd say I had some professional help. I had a team that helped me um, acquire my premises that helped. And the money I spent on them doing it, I saved in terms of being able to continue with my clinical hours. I saved in terms of negotiating a good deal over the course of 10 to 15 years, what what my long lease is. So whilst yes, it costs money, you only, you know, you pay that money once you acquire the the space and you get a good deal. And I don't mm. think I would have navigated it the way I did on my, like, there's just no way. They really understood the ins and outs um, and made sure it would be something that works for me, as well as find me a space. I mean, I really kind of just had to turn up and view the spaces and they did all the searching. So that helps. So I would say invest a bit of money in someone helping you acquire a space. For me, that worked. Um, I would speak to people about their experiences in terms of opening spaces, who did they use in terms of the build, maybe the interior design, Um, because if they've had a good experience, chances are that's a team you can rely on. Um, And just anticipate it to probably feel quite uncomfortable. Don't expect it to feel easy. It's going to feel hard. You're going to have moments where you think, oh, my God, what am I doing? Why am I making my life so much harder? You're probably going to have sleepless nights, you know, and um, and that's okay. And that kind of is how it feels. And just have people you speak to and bounce ideas off and them to be like, look, that's fine. It's meant to feel hard. Growth feels uncomfortable. It's not going to feel like this the whole time. and actually spending the money on renovating a space it's quite traumatic <laughs> it's, it's large sums of money and when it's your own and you've worked so hard for it and it's every you know it, it's it's quite scary and you think oh my god like am I ready for this but that feeling goes away and it's well worth it and um you know obviously stick to a budget but <laughs> it, 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 it it's meant to feel quite uncomfortable I remember the whole thing for me was very stressful and anxiety inducing but having people around me that had been through it was helpful
0: That's reassuring to hear, and I love that you're on the other side of it now. Because I I remember when I was speaking to you about doing the podcast, and you were like, "Well, I've got a few things going on," and I was like, "Okay, this can wait." Like I I know you've got things going on, and alongside that, planning a wedding. And I feel like everything happens at the same time sometimes, and you just have to ride the waves and just just go with it.
1: That's actually really what I felt with opening a space. It was like choreographing everything to come together at the same time for this grand opening date and people sort of very quick on Instagram to be like ta-da here's my amazing <laughs> new space look at how incredible it is but people don't show the struggle and you know the struggle is real <laughs> and everyone goes through it people don't just necessarily talk about it I mean remember and even still it will come with its own stresses um, but really getting it from scratch to something is and then you have to run the ship. So you walk in, you're like, oh my god now I've got it's to go in the front. But no, it does get easier, and it starts to feel like home. <laughs> I feel like
0: this is the thing I keep telling myself is that you're only going to feel this uncomfortable once because you've never done this before. Like remember the first time you injected someone, the first time you held oh, it yeah. like how scary that was. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know because we've never done that before, and now you do it yeah. every day. So I I hope that it will get easier, and it's so reassuring to hear that you're on the other side of it now and you felt the exact same things that you know I'm okay, feeling <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, and you know you build a healthier relationship with the feeling, right? So <laughs> you learn to compartmentalize it and think, right? I cannot let this dominate every moment of my life. I need to be able to unwind, and you start to find time for you again. You start to time find find time, sorry, for your life again. So yeah, you kind of learn along the way that how do you,
0: how fun. do you do that? Because I feel like once you have a business, see, when I was at uni. My mentality was I cannot wait to graduate because when you're working, you know, it's nine to five, you come home and you relax, whereas with revision, there's no end to it. You just do it 24 seven. Little did I know that it's the complete opposite. It it all (laughs) does depend, to be fair, like you can just have a nine to five job and, and that's it. It all depends on what you choose um but I like to think I'm quite an ambitious person and I don't like being comfortable I like to be uncomfortable I can't remember the last time I was comfortable <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
1: it can be addictive um, to be uncomfortable <laughs> exactly
0: so how, how do you learn to switch off and not feel completely switched on all the time and because you know you can't it's physically impossible you will burn out very quickly and this is a you know this is a long game that you're going to be hopefully in it for a while it's not something that's like you know a sprint it's a marathon Um, So how did you learn to balance it and how to switch things off and say, right, now it's time to completely forget about everything and, and relax and focus on me?
1: Um, I mean, I'm guilty of not realizing when I'm stressed and anxious and just like you say, working until suddenly I find I'm burnt out. And unfortunately for me, I wouldn't say do it this way, but I tend to sort of burn out and hit rock bottom before I realize. (laughs) So I would say there's moments where I'm like, okay, no, I cannot continue at 120 miles an hour. I do need to take a break. My body needs a break. So I I did it the way I wouldn't recommend, which is kind of finding out the hard way. But if I think about it 24-7, it burns you out i would recommend probably obviously there is a phase it's not meant to feel that easy at the start you can't you can't just completely relax at the start there's a lot going on um and you feel like you're in a relay race because you're trying to run your business at the same time as trying to get something else off the ground and then you're just you know running again um but promising yourself that at a certain time you're going to close your laptop you're going to like a bit of a ritual have dinner put on a tv show and, and and just dedicate that time to yourself where you're not thinking about it, and you 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 know everything can kind of wait unless somebody is really unwell. <laughs> everything can kind of wait, um, and and then thinking about it again in the morning and just being a bit precious over your time, you kind of have to, mm-hmm. and uh, you know you're doing it partly because of the love of the job, but also so hopefully in the end you have a bit of a work life balance and to mm-hmm. remember that goal at the back of your mind that you do you're doing this partly in the long run to maybe make your life a bit easier so you don't have to be there all the time to still earn money you can take a step back
0: exactly I think there's a there's an under armor campaign that I see on the underground and it keeps saying the tagline is uh, grind now glory later and I keep yeah. seeing this and every time I feel stressed <laughs> out, I'm like, you know, it will be worth it in the long term. Just it will be uncomfortable now, but it will get easier, hopefully at some point. It and It's do. so important uh, what you said about um, not everything needs your response. Obviously, if it's an emergency, yes. But I recently went away, um, just came back. I went away for the weekend and I had messages from where i coming through saying this, this, that, all these things, nothing urgent. And I went to reply and I said no actually this can wait and I put my phone there's a wonderful new feature i've just updated my um ios and there's a wonderful new feature it's called the personal um do not disturb and you yes. just put on the notifications you want from the people that you want and nothing else comes through and it's so wonderful it. and i'm kind of addicted to it
1: <laughs> that sounds great but that's exactly it yeah i think it's it's prioritizing you and and your mental health um and and you can't pour from an empty cup so exactly. you know you need to be well you need to be focused when you're there and you can't do that if you're working 24 7.
0: And nothing happens you know with these things you feel like it's the end of the world but actually it, it's fine as long as it's not urgent Obviously, it's fine if you reply two days later people will understand like I have this thing where I feel like I can't have notifications I have to reply to every single thing that comes through but actually you don't You you can wait and people don't care people don't care as much as you think yeah. they do <laughs>
1: yeah yeah exactly exactly mm-hmm. and you know if you have a team they can reply <laughs> <laughs> exactly. you know they can reply to the emails and stuff and and I think that's that now I'm in a situation where I have I'm really lucky I've got an amazing team they're trained up I can take a step back but before I was doing all the emails at one point and, and everything so that felt 24 7 whereas when you train people to help you there you're like great I can <laughs> agree <laughs>
0: So talk me through your social media and how it's helped your business, because I feel like I've I've personally witnessed the progression. Of, I feel like it was first the more personal Instagram and then it's become the clinic now. Um, and it's so wonderful to see the growth and the content. It's very entertaining educational content that we see. Um, So talk me through how that was and whether it's actually worked in bringing you patients, bringing you brand awareness and what you do on a day to day to maintain it. Is it yourself or do you have a team that um, keeps that going?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think social media, especially Instagram, is not what it was. Um, I think at one point it was amazing for escalating your business, and it works now kind of as a portfolio as a validating a patient's decision to trust you. um but I would say most of my patients actually now come from word of mouth um which I like because generally it might be nice people recommending you which who might have nice friends. <laughs> so you end up with a very nice cohort of patients um, Instagram is great for people to see what can be achieved and a bit of a portfolio sometimes it's it's frustrating because. People think it's a bit of a menu and they can say, I want to, I just want this and I want to look mm. like this, but actually it's just to demonstrate how we can help everyone feel their best. Um, growth on Instagram is more challenging than it was. I know everyone knows this, but um, it's uh, it's still something people dedicate some time to, to keep their portfolio going and let people know about their, their clinic and what's going on. I, I do have a team helping me with it. Uh, just a lady who's, she's really good. Um, you have to provide the content, obviously with the wedding planning with opening the clinic as much as I thought I'm going to post loads about this <laughs> I just didn't have the time so I didn't post half as much as I wanted to so much happens that doesn't go up on there and I wish I could be more active but um, yeah that that's something I'm going to try and do more post-wedding be more active on social media maybe yeah that, that sort of
0: there's, there's a lot of potential with social media, but i it's so much time and effort that goes into it that people don't see. Like what you were saying before about people opening up their clinic and it being beautiful, magical. You don't know the hours and the hundreds of thousands of pounds that's gone into that. And I feel like everything to do with social media is the same. Every single post takes if, if you want it to be valuable and if you yeah. want it to actually do something Uh, be it patient conversion or uh, brand awareness, whatever it may be, there's a lot of work that goes into it. But I think it is valuable. Um, But like you're saying, the most important thing is that you can actually deliver, right? And it's um, word of mouth that's the biggest um, promoter of the clinic
1: word of mouth is my favorite there's, there's nothing better than someone coming in and saying oh you know I was at dinner with my friend and everyone was thinking my god you look amazing and we had to get her drunk to find out what she'd done and then we found out <laughs> you. that makes me so happy it's so much happier than just like, I found you on Instagram um because it's a real compliment to your work you yeah. know um it, Instagram's great and like you say everything takes time and, and when you don't have time I find myself you know I'll be stood up on the tube and I'm like right okay what are questions I've had this week? Mm. It could be an in- interesting in- information post. And then I'll quickly send that to my lady who who helps me and she puts it together into some kind of graphic poster post. Um, so, yeah, that's it's normally inspired by things I've seen that week or heard that week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you've done so many amazing things already. And honestly, it's so inspiring to see um, your journey and how far you've come. And it's so refreshing to hear you speak about the struggles as well, because I feel like not very many people are honest about that. And it's very, very reassuring. Um, What do you have? And I I try to not be one of those people who's like, well, what's next? You know, what's next? Well, let me deal with what I'm doing already. It's stressful enough (laughs) as it is. But just from a personal point of view, um, from your end, what kind of goals and things do you have for growth for the future? What kind of aspirations do you have? What vision do you have of where you want to take this?
1: Yeah, um, so probably three things. (laughs) um one would be I would love to collaborate more with dentists I think dentistry and aesthetics work really beautifully hand in hand and I remember actually I was inspired by a lady that came and shadowed me once and she was an orthodontist and she showed me her work I I was just absolutely mind blown because she was combining orthodontics and facial aesthetics and the results were just incredible I mean she was totally transforming someone's life and face and it was just amazing and I just thought wow like the number of times like the industry kind of stay quite separate. Mm. Uh, I see patients that come in for treatments and I think, goodness, like what I would do for your teeth. Um, and I see patients whose results go up on dental pages. And I think, my goodness, what I would do to fix those lips. So, you know, I, I I just think the two work beautifully and I'd love to kind of collaborate with more dentists and show off what can be done when the two come together, because I think it can be amazing. Um, and I think patients will start to see that. I didn't have. Nor, you know the the willpower nor the finances to put a dental practice in my mm. my clinic <laughs> but i figure you don't need that i mean i have colleagues in the industry and we can co-refer mm-hmm. so that's one i'd love to do more of that um i would love to go more into teaching i used to do teaching uh, more than I do now. I do still do some teaching. Um, but I love it. I think you learn as you go. The more you teach, the more you know. Um, and it's really fun to to build that confidence in other clinicians and see them grow and see what they do. It's it's fun. And I and you know the closest I have to that now is a little bit of teaching I do and teaching the people that work alongside me. Um but also enjoy the success that I'm having along the way. And that's my goal. Because it's so easy to to always strive for something more. Mm. And I just want to enjoy where i'm at now grow a happy team um build systems and processes that can work without me there uh and build a happy patient base, base and just kind of yeah enjoy it really along the way i
0: think that one is my favorite and it's so important because you i feel like you're the first person who's i've ever heard say that because it's so important to enjoy the success you have now because you've worked so hard to get here and as it is it's a big deal let alone your goals yeah. and aspirations for the future and i feel like when you're ambitious you constantly looking forward and that's what what's next like let me put it on my to-do list or whatever but actually enjoy the success you have now
1: absolutely and to spot the success because it's so easy to not see it in the day-to-day struggles but to have a moment where you sit back and it's you just think you know what it's doing all right I'm doing okay yeah and don't compare too much you can always compare but when you do you know obviously instagram's full of people just promoting the highlights yes. um so don't compare just be happy with what you're managing to achieve and that's all you can be really
0: thank you so much Sarah for such honestly it's such a transparent and honest um conversation thank you so much it's so wonderful to see everything you're doing and I can't wait to see what's next for you in the way of enjoying your success. Yeah, continuing. <laughs> as you are now.
1: Oh, thank you. It's been an honour to chat to you and to finally finally meet you almost in Zoom. <laughs> <laughs>
0: really hope you've enjoyed this episode and hopefully learned a few things. I know I certainly did. And as always, don't forget to let me know what you thought of this episode. You can reach out to me on Instagram at Dr. Shadi I always love hearing your responses. And if you have any requests for future podcast episodes, please let me know there. I do usually listen if there are specific requests that are quite popular. As always, there will be a new episode every week. So please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and never miss an episode. And I can't wait to speak to See soon.